You're listening to a North Valley Community Church podcast. For more information and resources, visit us online at northvalleychurch.org. Well, good morning, North Valley. How are you guys doing this morning? Very good. Uh, quick introduction. My name is Brian Carr. I do serve on staff here as the elementary coordinator. I get to work uh, alongside Crystal each week to help serve the kids of this church and absolutely love doing that. Uh, and... Ryan happens to be out of town this morning, so he has invited me back uh, to speak again uh, for you guys today. So I'm very excited. Uh, we're going to be finishing up the uh, Hope of Heaven series. I have the pleasure of uh, closing it out. I had the pleasure of closing out the Great Marriage series as well, so I'm not sure what's up with the end of the series and Ryan tagging me, but I'm very glad to be here. It's going to be a good time. I uh, just wanted to show you a quick picture of my family. For those of you that don't know, that's uh, my wife, Alita, there. Uh, been married nine years, uh, like I shared last time. These are my two boys, uh, Brian, who's six, and then Luke, who just turned two a couple of weeks back. So super thankful for my family, uh, super thankful for the North Valley family. Love you guys, and I'm really excited to share with you today. So uh, the message that I get to share with you guys today is about the path to heaven. And we've been talking about the people of heaven, the person of heaven, uh, the uh, I can't remember the other one, but there's one more about heaven, but we've been talking about all the parts of heaven, but I think what's super important is that we uh, understand how to get there, and so today we're going to talk about the path to heaven. So I want to tell you guys a quick story. So there was a man who died, and uh, he went to judgment, and right before he's going to stand before God, uh, you know, they came up to him, they said, hey, listen, we're kind of looking over your life, and... I mean, it's not a lot of good stuff. There's not really a lot of bad stuff. But is there anything you could tell us that might, you know, help your case a little bit? So the man thought to himself, he said, oh, yeah, I, I've got something. He said, uh, uh, one time I was, I was driving down I-17. I got off at Indian school, and I saw these thugs beating up a homeless man. And I, he, and I thought to myself, I can't let that happen. So I pulled over, got my tire and iron out, and I said, hey, you leave that man alone. And uh, proceeded to, to attack, and uh, yeah, so I tried to help that homeless man, and the guy, and, and the angel in heaven said, wow, that's, uh, that's a pretty, that's pretty good. When did that happen? About three minutes ago. So, <laughs> thankfully, that's not how, that's not what heaven's about. That's not how it works, and we're going to talk a little bit more in depth today about how it really does, uh, does work. And so, uh, the way I wanted to present this to you this morning was kind of uh, in through three parts. We're going to talk about the claim that Jesus made. We're going to talk about the case for and against the claim he made. And then finally, we're going to conclude and talk through uh, what to make of it all. And I think one of the passages that really uh, brings this home more than any other passage in the Bible is one we've been kind of focusing on over the last few weeks, which is John 14. And I want to set the stage a little bit. Uh, we've been reading out of this passage, but I want to make sure we have a good contextual understanding of what is happening uh, as Jesus begins to share with the disciples about heaven and about the path to get there. And before we do that, I definitely just want to start off with a quick word of prayer. So if you guys want to bow your heads with me. Uh, Jesus, we just pray that as we open your word, that the Holy Spirit would begin to speak to our hearts and help us understand uh, how we should live um, lives that are focused on eternity, how we should live lives that are focused on the path to heaven and sharing the good news with those around us. We love you, Jesus. We thank you. In your name we pray. 
Amen. So the context of John chapter 14 is kind of a fun one. Basically what's happening is Jesus is making his way to Jerusalem for the biggest festival for Jews, the Passover. So this is a celebration where uh, they celebrate how God rescued them from the hand of Pharaoh in Egypt. So this is like a long-standing holiday. And a lot of people come to Jerusalem to worship God and celebrate. And Jesus was no exception. But what was super special about this time uh, in Scripture was that Jesus has been now ministering about three years. He's done some pretty amazing things. One thing he did very recently was he raised Lazarus from the dead. So you can imagine if, uh, you know, you're getting ready to head to a celebration and you hear that the dude who just raised another dude from the dead is going to be there. You're probably going to be pretty excited. And this is, was the case. Jerusalem was was just on, was electric. There was so much going on. And so Jesus made the triumphant entry that we know from, uh, from Scripture where he rides in on a donkey, which was a fulfillment of prophecy. And so people are just stoked. And the reason they're stoked is because they know uh, or they think life is going to be very different very soon. Because at this time, the Jews were under the Romans, they had some freedom to worship, but they didn't have full freedom because the Romans were there and kind of in control. And so they think the time has finally come. The Messiah is here. Jesus is going to establish his eternal kingdom right now. Let's do this. And so they were very excited. Um, and they were right. Jesus was about to change the world forever, but in a very different way. And so if you can imagine for yourself that you're a disciple you have the same mindset that Jesus is about to establish this forever kingdom. And he's like doing all these other things. Like during this week, he also like went and cleansed the temple. So, I mean, they're just like, man, Jesus, he's awesome. He's going to take over. But what's interesting is that Jesus was doing something very different. And we find it here in, in John chapter 13, 14, um, which is where we're going to focus on in just a moment. But leading up to John 14, 1, uh, Jesus is basically at the Last Supper. And so he, uh, him and his disciples enter for his final meal. Uh, he does something weird. He washes their feet. Jesus, that's kind of gross. Why are you doing that? He then tells them that he's about to go away, and they're kind of like, where are you going? What's happening? He says, one of you is going to betray me. And they, he, they're like, what is he talking about? He says, uh, Peter even goes as far as saying, hey, God, don't worry. Jesus, don't worry. I will stick with you. And he says, no, you're not. You're going to deny me. And so Suffice it to say that where we are right now in John chapter 14, verse 1, the disciples are a little confused. They're a little confused. They don't exactly understand what's happening. Uh, their understanding of who Jesus was, even though at different parts they got it, they also completely didn't get it. And so if you have your Bibles and you're there at John chapter 14, 1, we'll read. They're coming from a place of confusion, and Jesus responds to them and says, listen. He says, 14, 1, let not your hearts be troubled. So Jesus is like, hey, this is my chance. I'm about to go away, but I need to encourage these guys. I need to let them know that it's going to be okay. So he says, don't let your hearts be troubled. What a nice thing for Jesus to say. He says, believe in God. So as a, a, a God-fearing Jew, that seems like a pretty reasonable thing to say. You know, do, don't let your hearts be troubled. God's going to take care of you. It's going to be okay. And so that's a pretty normal statement, but what's interesting is Jesus doesn't stop there and just says, hey, don't, don't worry, trust God. He says, also, uh, believe also in me, trust in me. And it's e very easy to 
quickly skip over what's happening in this one verse. But Jesus is basically telling them, hey, all that faith and trust that you have in God, yeah, you should be putting that faith and trust in me as well. And so they're probably like, man, what is he talking about? But Jesus wants to encourage them. And so these are some of the other verses we've been talking about throughout this series, but I'm going to read them again. He says, in my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. So this sounds pretty good. This really actually kind of fits with what the disciples probably were thinking, like, oh, okay, we're, this is, sounds pretty nice. Jesus is about to go build us a mansion in his new kingdom, and he's got rooms for us. This is sounding pretty good. Um, and he wants us to be, you know, Jesus uh, wants us, the disciples, to be with him. That's a good thing. But then he says in verse 4, uh, and you know the way to where I'm going. But Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know the way you're going. How can we know the way? And so obviously they're still thinking very much in the physical sense. They're thinking Jesus is going to go build something probably close by where they all get to be together. But this is not at all what Jesus is saying. And Thomas is picking up that there's some misunderstanding there. So he asks the powerful question, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? How can we know the path that you have for us? So Jesus said to him in verse 6, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. So Jesus, he's like, hey, listen, uh, I know you're thinking I'm going to give you directions. That's not what I'm about to do. I'm going to share with you, I am the way. Now, in your program, uh, this is the claim. So for one, two, and three, it's I am the way, the truth, the life. This is a pretty intense claim. If uh, uh, you were to look at this from, you know, kind of an outside perspective, and honestly, there's a lot of uh, non-believers that look at this passage and they go, yeesh. Um, what does that mean? And we're going to talk about it a little bit more, but suffice it to say that Jesus wanted to make it crystal clear that there is a place for us all. And that's what he's trying to encourage them with is I'm going to prepare a place for you. And the only way to get there is me, is me. And so Jesus begins to open this up to them. And now it's very simple, it'd be very easy, I think, to kind of separate these three, three things out. And in fact, I kind of did on the program, but if I were to alter it slightly, these three things shouldn't be necessarily separated out, but taken together. And because Jesus is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. Because he is the truth, and because he is the life, he is the way. They can't be separated, they go together. And so Jesus is trying to explain to them um, this very uh, complex, deep, but simple thought. If you want to know the way, if you want to be with me in paradise, you need to come through me. And you can't get there any other way except through me. So, wow, <laughs> that's a pretty intense thing. Now, uh, a lot of people do look at this passage and, and take it, I think, a little bit out of context. And so I want to just address it really fast. This is not saying that 
own. Jesus is the way that we should act. So a lot of people say, oh, well, what Jesus is really saying, you know, he was a good moral guy. He was a good teacher. You know, he took care of people. That is the way to heaven. He's making the claim not that he himself is the way, but that what he did was the way. And I would argue strongly (laughs) with that because Jesus throughout scripture makes multiple references not to uh, the lifestyle that he is living as a means to get to heaven, but he himself is the way. So that is the claim that Jesus made. I am the way, I am the truth and the life. No one comes to the father except through me. We're gonna look at a couple other uh, cases though uh, that are a little in contrast to that one and we're gonna do a little comparison. So uh, there are other thoughts out there that do differ slightly from this one. One of them that's pretty rampant today uh, is secular humanism. And basically that's the idea of this is that, well, there is no God. Uh, the closest thing to heaven that you're ever going to get is what you're doing right now. The best way to experience heaven or whatever you want to call it is to live your best life and try to help those around you. And there is no, there is nothing beyond that. That's a pretty uh, common view or thought that's out there today is that that is all that there is. There is nothing more. You have other religions like Islam. They have a slightly different take on what paradise looks like. It's uh, when you, you know, practice the five pillars, you, uh, you know, claim that no one's to be worshipped but Allah and his prophet Muhammad, or you, you know, pray uh, all, you know, multiple times a day, you pay to charity, you uh, go on your pilgrimage, you observe fasting on, during Ramadan, all these things. If you do all of those and you do them correctly and you don't mess up, uh, then there's a chance you might make it to paradise. Uh, another belief that's out there, Hinduism, a little different as well. Basically that uh, you got to be careful because kind of everywhere you look, uh, you could offend a god or you could mess up somebody else's stuff. So karma is like the deal, right? You can't, if, you, if you do something bad here, it's going to come back and bite you here. And so your whole life, you know, you don't want to you know, hurt this cow because that might be someone, you know, that's trying to, their own path and you don't want to step on this, this cricket or whatever. So there's all of this striving to, you know, do what is right and try to get your way to heaven or to uh, paradise. And the last one I'm going to talk about is Buddhism. Similar to the other ones, you probably are noticing a little bit of a theme you know, basically that belief is, that, you know, there's suffering in the world. The cause of suffering is your desires. You got to stop desiring stuff. So that way you stop suffering. And you only can do that by reaching this higher understanding and meditating and trying to get yourself in this place where mind, body, spirit is all connected. And then once you've done that, you've reached enlightenment, nirvana, and you've finally made it. That is very different than what we're talking about as far as a path to heaven. And I think that the theme is pretty easy to see is that the religions of the world are dependent on what you did, on what I did when you're on this earth. If you wanna make it to heaven, you have to make sure that you are crossing all your T's, dotting all of your I's. And the reality is a lot of these people who are in these faiths and in these practices and believe these things, they're not, there's no joy, there's no peace because why? 
they're not sure if they're going to make it. Even though they're trying and they're striving in their own life to do all of these things and trying to measure up to this, uh, these standards or whatever that some guy at some point said they had to do, they are still uncertain of what is going to happen. But that's where Christianity, believers in Jesus, followers of Jesus have something very different. The beauty of it is, is that Christianity is dependent on what Jesus did. That's it. He's the way. And so when Jesus made the statement, you know, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, no one comes to the Father but through me, it's simple. You want to make it into paradise. You want to be on that pathway to heaven. All you have to do is surrender to Jesus and accept what he did. And once you've done that, he washes you white as snow. He brings you into a right relationship with him. He sends the Holy Spirit inside of you to help encourage you and to give you peace and all, uh, you know, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. You can look it up later. Uh, all of those things, he fills, he fills you with that. And so that we actually, as believers in Jesus, have something that the world doesn't. I mean, it's so, so powerful. But before we get all the way there, I do want to bring up a couple things as well. So I want to talk with you guys about, so what does this mean? Uh, that Jesus is the way, that Jesus is the truth, he's the life. No one can come to the Father but through him. When we bring that verse up in the world, we get kind of a like, ooh, from people. Because, well, I mean, we have to be careful, but what is it basically saying? You know, uh, I'm right, <laughs> you're wrong, uh, you're, you don't quite have the right idea here. But I want to share with you guys something that I think is super important that as we think about this passage is that we understand who Jesus is and what he was trying to do when he was on earth. Because if we miss that, we miss what this verse is all about. And so my, my uh, uh, first point of the conclusion is that we need to be inclusive like Jesus. We need to be inclusive like Jesus. And what I mean by that is this, is that when Jesus came to earth, <laughs> you know, if you think kind of overall, overarching purpose of, of Jesus, you know, is basically to sh share the good news, to testify that he was the son of God, um, to die on the cross for, uh, for, for our sins, you know, to be that eternal sacrifice. That was Jesus' purpose. So why didn't Jesus just come, find the smartest guys on the globe, be like, hey, listen, I'm going to start a new religion. I need your guys' help. So you're the smart ones. I'm going to teach you everything I know real quick. I'm going to die. I'm going to do that part. And then uh, I'm going to go to heaven, and you guys need to spread the word. It's because that's not who Jesus is. Jesus wasn't here to just, you know, start something new. He was here to have a relationship with the people that he created. And so you see, what does Jesus do? He goes out, and he finds the tax collectors. He finds the, uh, the zealots. The, like, these are like bad dudes, you know. He finds the fishermen. I mean, sailors have a bad reputation in our culture. I, I don't think it was much better back then. He found the people that weren't, I mean, they were just ordinary people. And I tell you what, this used to upset the religious leaders of the time. They did not like this. They were like, what is wrong with this guy? Why is he doing what he's doing? There's a, a, one passage, it's in Luke uh, chapter 5, verse 29 through 32, where Jesus is uh, sitting down with, uh, with Levi, and he's about to eat. He's a tax collector, and there's a lot of others, tax collectors that were there with him. 
And the Pharisees, this is verse 30, so the Pharisees and their scribes grumbled as the disciples saying, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. See, Jesus' mindset was to just to reach the lost, was to bring people into the family of God. He didn't care who they were. He didn't care what their background was. His desire was that everyone would come to understand who he was as God's son and who God was. Like he was trying to point to the father. He said, everything that I do is exactly what my father told me to do. The God that you think you're all worshiping and trying to strive towards, listen, I, I, that's me and I'm trying to share with you who I am. I'm trying to get you to a place where you understand my heart. And so as we think about Jesus and as we think about this passage, we have to understand we need to be inclusive like Jesus was. We need to be people that are reaching out and looking around us and saying, that person needs to be in the family of God. That person needs to be in the family of God. What can I do to get them and bring them and introduce them to Jesus? This is a, a true story. The story I told earlier wasn't about the heaven thing, but this is a true story. Last week, actually a neighborhood group, um, a young girl who, uh, who was there knew that we were talking about heaven. And so she wanted to sit in for a little bit and just ask some questions. And it was basically, I won't go into details, but there was a person in her life that she cared very much about. And she just voiced, like, I don't know. Um, I don't know where they're at. Like, I don't know if they believe in Jesus. I don't know if they have a lot. I don't know. And what does that mean? And I'm like, man, this little kid, <laughs> I mean, it convicted my heart. Because it's like that, that attitude where we are looking beyond just this moment that we're in and we're seeing eternity and recognizing that there's people around us who don't have a relationship with Jesus and what does that mean for them? It really, really challenged me. And so that's the, that's the heart behind what Jesus is saying. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. And so he's not trying to... Uh, well, let's go to the second point and then I'll talk about it. So the next point though is that is, is while we are being inclusive like Jesus, we also have to be exclusive like Jesus. So Jesus didn't water down. He didn't say, hey, listen, guys, I'm about to share some good things with you. Take it down. It's kind of important. Uh, but if you don't get it all right, that's okay. There's other ways. There's other things. Jesus did not say that. He was very clear. There is one way. And so as much as we want to... Uh, be inclusive and we want to bring people to Jesus, we have to realize that we are bringing them to Jesus. Like that is our goal. That is the heart. That is what we are supposed to do. And by doing that, we are being exclusive like Jesus. Now there's a few verses that I wanted to read. One of them is from Acts chapter four, uh, verse 11 and two. This is uh, basically Peter is before a lot of religious leaders and he's trying to present the case for Jesus. And he says, Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders. Uh, which has become the cornerstone. So these, he was talking to religious people, hey, listen, guys, you're supposed to be building the church. You messed up. Jesus, was the co he's the cornerstone. So now everything is based off of him. And he says, there is no salvation, verse 12, there is no salvation, try again, and there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Jesus said it a different way in Matthew 7. He said, enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the path that leads to destruction and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the way that leads to life and only a few find it. 
So as we're seeking the path to heaven, as we're sharing with others the pathway to heaven, my encouragement is be like Jesus. Be inclusive. Look around you. Find the people that you have in your life that, that maybe haven't been introduced to him yet and invite them, talk with them, encourage them. And then also be exclusive like Jesus. Don't be afraid to say, listen, Jesus made some very radical claims. Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever thought about that? There's a, a pretty famous argument that's out there. C.S. Lewis made it. There's others before him, but C.S. Lewis kind of made it popular. Basically, he made the statement as this, is like Jesus was one of three things, and that's it. He was either a lunatic, he's out of his marbles, had no idea what he was talking about, God thought he was God's son. He's not God's son. He absolutely was just crazy. Or he was a liar. He, he knew he wasn't God, but he wanted to act like he was. He wanted the followers. He wanted the crowd. He wanted to make up this big story. And so he did all these things. Or the third option, and, I, and like I said, we have to wrestle with this, and you have to encourage others to wrestle with it, is that he is exactly who he said he was. Jesus didn't make it foggy. He made it very, very clear that he is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. And no one can come to the Father but through him. And so my encouragement to you is, uh, if you've already wrestled with that and you've come to the conclusion that he is Lord, I'm, I'm glad. I'm very happy because that is what I believe. If you haven't, I would encourage you to wrestle with it. Don't take my word for it. Get into the Bible. Jesus didn't... Uh, he didn't really sugarcoat it. I have so many more passages that I was reading this week and honestly just convicted my heart about how purposeful Jesus was to, to let them know who God was and share the love of God with them. Um, so I think with that um, um, being said, um, the last point kind of comes is uh, the next step is to believe and receive. And I think as we uh, kind of evaluate the words of Jesus, as we look at what he said, as we look at what he did, and we, we wrestle through uh, the claims that he made, we are really left with one, one choice, <laughs> to believe uh, or not to believe, to believe and receive. So that's my encouragement to you this morning, is to believe and receive. And there's one other thing I did want to, uh, well, actually, let me say this uh, first. Um, there's this song that I think this really brings this home. Uh, and I was, it's long, so I don't want to play it or read it. But basically the gist is this, this, this guy is, the song's called, it's not enough. It's by the modern post. You can look it up. Um, and he makes this, this claim where he basically says, listen, if, um, you lived your life and you had, you know, all of the money in the world, and you did the absolute best thing with it. You were a charitable person and you took care of the sick and you did everything right and you lived your life so that everyone praised you. In the end, it's not enough. It's not enough. And on the flip side of the coin, you could take your life and you could live it in the most free, I'm gonna do whatever I want. I'm gonna have the best time I could have I can do all of the horrible things that I think will make me happy and live the absolute, you know, life that you, the world can give you to the fullest. 
And at the end of the day, you're still, it's not enough. The only way that we are filled, the only way that we can have contentment in this life is through Jesus. And so I want to present this uh, slightly different perspective. We've been talking about what it would be like to look at this passage through the eyes of the disciples. But I want to encourage you to look at it through the eyes of Jesus. Because Jesus, um, I would encourage you to do this as well. Look at John chapter 1 and look at John chapter 14. Uh, the gospel of John was the last gospel that was written. So John had a little more time to reflect on the things that Jesus said and that he did. And John in chapter 1 really paints uh, this picture of Jesus. I'm just going to turn there because it's so, it's so powerful and I won't get into it too much. But, but he paints this picture of Jesus. Says, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God. And the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. And without him was not anything that was made that was made. I should just read this whole thing. But let me pause there for a second. The Jesus that came to earth was the Jesus that was there from the beginning. He created the world. The account of Genesis 1, he was there. Um... You think throughout the history of the Old Testament, I mean, with Noah and the people sinning against God, you think of, you know, Abraham and him wanting to have a people set apart that would bring, you know, uh, let people know who God was through the people of, of, of Abraham. And you see Israel and you see, you know, wrestling with God and you see, uh, I mean, you just can go right through Moses and his redemption for his people and you can go through the kings and the and how God's desire throughout all of eternity was that he would bring the people back to him, the way he designed it from the very beginning. And so Jesus, as he's sharing this with his disciples, I can only imagine how excited he had to have been to know that he was only moments away from fulfilling the very mission and purpose that he was, that, that, he, that, that was his purpose that he was made for, that he was for, which was to bring redemption of his people back to himself. And so I'd encourage this morning, think about that, how powerful that is. And that same uh, heart that Jesus had is, is the same he has now. And he's sitting at the right hand of the Father, like we've been talking about, interceding on behalf of us. He's, he's arms open wide, inviting us into his family. There's a couple verses in the Bible that I want to highlight kind of on this note. One is uh, Romans 10. Verse 9 through 13, it just says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. <laughs> Amen. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, Everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. And I do think, I, I said this in the first uh, message, but I think that's a pretty powerful verse by itself. Uh, Everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. I think in our culture right now, it's, it's not easy being a believer. It's not easy to talk about Jesus. A lot of people kind of get a little, you know, it's like religion and politics. So like those are no-nos. Don't talk about those. But the Bible is clear. It says everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. And I think when you live your life and you walk with Jesus and you follow the path uh, that he set before you and accept him, there's no shame in that. 
He says, for uh, verse 12, for there's no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. Guys, it doesn't matter one iota to Jesus, the, where are you from, where you're from, what you've done, the, all of those things of your past, it doesn't matter to him, for he is the same Lord and the Lord of all, and he wants you to be invited into his family. Uh, it says, for everyone who calls the name, the name of the Lord will be saved. Another passage is pretty familiar, but it says, Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. I'm going to invite the, the band up. Um, I just want to talk with you guys about this for a second. So my encouragement is this. In light of all that we've talked about this last week, eternity is going to be amazing. It's going to be so awesome to be in the internal presence of Jesus, to live the way that we were originally created from the very beginning, to be in communion with God. It's going to be awesome. But we're still here. (laughs) We're still here. And so my encouragement is this. This week, I, I was pretty convicted just about, uh, you know, in light of eternity. Like, well, so I get it. Like, we need to be inviting other people to Jesus. We need to, uh, you know, be inclusive, be exclusive. But ultimately, I think uh, how we do that is that we have to be connected to the heart of Jesus. And we have to do that. It's a daily practice. We have to each day humble ourselves before Jesus and Invite him to help us throughout the day. Invite the Holy Spirit to lead us throughout the day. And so if you're a follower of Jesus, amen, I'm excited. I'm going to see you guys up in heaven. It's awesome. But I would encourage you, while we're here on earth, let's continue to bring heaven to earth the best we can. Let's invite Jesus into our, into our lives daily. Let's have Jesus moments daily. And when you do that, it's going to begin to change the things around you. The people around you are going to notice. That's how we be inclusive like Jesus. Jesus wasn't shy. He shared the gospel. If you're not a believer in Jesus, though, yet, my encouragement is this. Take today, take this moment and think, man, I've never thought about these things. I've never thought about you as being the only way. I never thought about you being, uh, you know, loving me, wanting me, inviting me. And if that's you, I would encourage you, we're just going to say a quick prayer. I would encourage you to, to repeat after me. It's real simple. And I would encourage you, honestly, we're going to have some time for communion in just a minute. I would encourage you to even pray to yourself uh, during that time and just solidify what you're feeling in your heart with Jesus right now. But let's just uh, bow our heads. We're going to pray together. Jesus, confess with my mouth that you are Lord. Thank you that you are the King of Heaven. Thank you for inviting me. I believe that you were raised from the dead. I know that I have sinned. Forgive me. Help me to bring you glory every day 
thank you, Jesus. I love you. In your name, amen. Thank you for listening. To become a supporter of North Valley Community Church, give online today at northvalleychurch.org.